0: And um, and we are entering into the first of a new series that we're starting tonight. Um, We did start with a vision series a number of weeks ago. Last week we had John Wesson who was preaching. Give it up for John Wesson from Albany. Um, And he's an awesome pastor from Albany Um, One of the benefits of us um, joining with Oceans Church in Albany is we get Pastor John to preach here. And you guys are like, we want John. We've had enough of you. Step aside. And so don't worry, he'll be back up in a little while as well. Um, But then the three weeks in the lead up to that, we had a series called uh, a Vision Series, all about vision. Where are we going as a church? What are you invited to be a part of as a part of that vision? And just to really sum it up, in three kind of statements, we've got our vision on the screen behind me and I would encourage you, if you haven't seen that vision series, to get onto line, onto the podcast, onto Facebook, um, many different ways that you can watch it so you can be updated as to the vision of the church. If you miss one of the weeks, would you love you to um, <clears throat> jump onto that. But the vision of our church is really, really simple and it is that every single person would know God, have we got him? Okay, it's frozen. It's all right. It gets a bit insecure every now and then, you know. We've got to be kind, patient. It's all right. We'll we'll let it out gently over time. Um, Come on, come on, you can do it. Um, Our vision is to. That's right. Our vision is to know God. We've all been created to know God. This is why we've been created. Um, Our vision is to grow together. We haven't called to do life alone, but to grow, not to say where we are, but to grow. It might start back here. Some of us might start um, down there, but it's all right. Together, we can grow and move forward together. And then the third part of our vision is that we will go with purpose. God has uniquely created every single person in this room, online, for a God-given purpose and destiny that he has for your life that will satisfy and fulfill you. It might be different to what you expect, but let me tell you, it is the best. And so now what we're going to be talking about, um, is this all right, this volume of the microphone and everything? It's good. Um, now what we're going to be talking about is the fuel that feeds into the vision. Because just like a car today, before I left Albany, I had to feel like my car with fuel. It's a great car, it's all working together, all the parts are there, the wheels and the tyres and the engine. Um, and that's about as far as my technical expertise regarding cars goes. But what I do know is that it requires fuel. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how great the car is, it's not going to get here to Perth. And it's the same with our bodies here. We have an understanding in this church that although our bodies work, they are nothing apart from caffeine, which is why we serve coffee before the service. Um, and so, what, although we might have a great vision and vision statements, what is the fuel behind the vision? What is the fuel that we put in the tank? That keeps us going as a church as we hit the hard times, as we hit the inevitable obstacles and all the reasons why not. What is the fuel that keeps us going and puts a fire in our heart to to achieve the vision that God has got for us as a church? And it's very, very simple. There's one word that absolutely sums up and is the fuel to everything we do. And over the next three weeks we're going to be looking into this word and how it relates to each of the sections of our vision. No God, as it relates to that. Grow together. How does that word relate to that? And go with purpose. How does, oh, finally. Well done. It came out. Look at that. Just give it time. It eventually comes. And so this one word that fuels our vision, and this is why the series is called This Is Oceans, the one word is Grace. That is the one word. It is grace, not your friend grace, but grace that is available to us through Jesus. And there's a definition. There's many definitions of grace because it's such an expansive word. But it can be summed up as divine grace is the undeserved favour of a superior bowed bestowed on an inferior. Or really, to be summed up in two words, it's just undeserved favour. Undeserved favour. I mean, God gives us two things. One, he gives us mercy, right? What is mercy? Mercy is not giving us what we do deserve. Like We actually deserve like punishment. We actually deserve consequence for us giving God the middle finger, proverbial middle finger as humanity. And so mercy is withholding what we do deserve. But then grace is not only bringing us to equilibrium, not only just bringing us to a starting line, but grace is on top of his mercy, but is to pour out his undeserved favor, his limitless favor on you and I. His favor and his blessing and his love and his goodness and his kindness and his compassion and his guidance. This is the grace of God over our life. But some people can get the wrong idea about grace, what grace is. And, and, and this issue has hung around for thousands of years. In fact, Paul wrote one of his letters Paul, one of the first Christian leaders of the early church 2,000 years ago, encountered a problem in one of the churches he planted. Just like here, Jess and I planted this church two years ago, and we we love doing the journey with every single one of you. And Paul started a church in a region of Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. He planted the church, and then he left it, and he left it in the hands of some leaders to continue running the church. And at that point, he didn't have a mobile phone. He didn't have FaceTime. He didn't have a car, I don't think, at that time either. Um, and so he couldn't just pop down the road and say good day. So they wrote letters um, to the churches. And so this, this book of Galatians in the New Testament is a letter that he wrote to the church in Galatia. Um, see what happened. And by the way, some of you are going to recognize some of this message, right? Some of you are thinking, oh, I've had this before. Well, you are correct. You are not mistaken. And do you know why the reason why well, I'm repeating some of this message? I think it was about six months ago uh, um, I last did it, and but you guys have gone for the double whammy because we're in Vision Series. This is Oceans. It was the first time that Albany heard it, but I just, I just think we can't hear this message enough because our default is to just move away from the true meaning of grace, every single one of us, and so um, you're going to get it whether you like it or not. Can I hear an amen? amen. Yeah, come on. It's awesome. And so the, the, the church in Galatia, Paul left them in the, in the hands of the, these great local leaders, but what happened is Jewish Christians came in behind Paul when Paul, oh yep, he's gone. They came in behind Paul and thought they came up to the church and they're like, "Well, we we know, we know, we know the grace of God that He's been talking about. We know the real version of Christianity. He taught you this, and he, he he's sort of right, but we've got the upgraded version of what true Christianity is. We've got the real deal Christianity. If you just listen to us, we've got superior knowledge." that is going to help you go to the next level of your Christian faith, of your Christian walk. And so Paul actually wrote this corrective letter to correct the wrong understanding of what grace was at that time. And this is his beginning of that passage of um, Galatians. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, this is what he said. He said, "'I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you "'in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel,' which is really no gospel at all. A different gospel. Did you know that there's a different gospel? There is. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ is what some of us are doing. Some of them were doing. Um, Say so these Jewish Christians, they came in behind Paul and they began to tell these new Christians about what extra things they needed to add to the gospel to become Real Christians. And so they began to say you needed to follow these Jewish traditions. You need to not eat certain foods. You can't eat bacon. Man, I would have been devastated to be a Jew. Um, Who loves your bacon? Just put up your hand nice and ooh, hallelujah. Bacon in everything. Even in vegetarian food is awesome. Just (laughs) great, a little bit of bacon and voila, vegetarian is just awesome. Um, And so these Jewish Christians are saying no bacon. I was like, I'm leaving this church. Um, but then they also said, you need to be circumcised. You need to be circumcised. You know what, actually? Um, anyway, no, don't worry. <laughs> See that? See that right there? No, no. All oh, right, stopped. Last stream. Okay. <laughs> All right, great. I won't throw myself off the edge just yet. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> So these Jewish Christians said, if you really want to know Jesus, you've got to be circumcised. you need got to be like us. And so imagine and welcoming people to church for the first time and saying, yeah, welcome. You've got the grace of Jesus. God loves you so much. But, you know, just as a part of our welcome sort of party, what we're going to do is we're going to invite you men just to, why don't you just line up oh, there, go to the back room over there. There you, you find a lovely nurse and, um, and we'll just, you know, sign a membership forms and all the wa- waiver forms you need to sign and we'll take care of that. Um, I don't think the men will be going, they're like, this is not good news. (laughs) This is bad news. (laughs) We're going to find a good news church. And so these Jews, what they wanted to do is take what was pure and add stuff into it and it became impure. And I think this is becoming a bit of a DNA message of our church, which is why I have no problems preaching it twice. Does anyone remember these little puppies? Put up your hand nice and high, nice and high. Okay, a few of us remember these. So these, what are these? They are glazed cherries. Now, I grew up and mum used to love cherries, right? She had cherries on biscuits, cut up in half, put onto biscuits, cherries mixed into a nice fruit salad, cherries in cakes, cherries in everything. You just eat something oh, there's another cherry. That's great. But I didn't realise that for many, many years i would lived under a cloud of evil deception. Because... It was an embarrassingly late stage in life that I actually tasted my first real cherry. And I remember the first time, I'm not even going to tell you what age it was, but I remember biting into my, you know the Christmas cherries? Not just cherries, but Christmas time cherries. They're like juicy, black, juicy. Mwah. Oh, You guys, it's going to bat. You can't wait till Christmas now, can you? And, been, and I was like, oh, my eyes were open for the first time. I saw colour. It was amazing and just the flavours, juicy, nice cherry. And I realised that mum had been leading me down the garden path. I'd been living a lie my whole life. I've, 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 what mum did is she took something pure and completely just ruined it. Thank you. I'm ex- extending my vocabulary very slowly. And, and corrupted it. That's what I'm looking for. Found it. These cherries are corrupt. It's just wrong. And, and so this is a picture of what happens with the gospel. It starts off with good news. It starts off with something pure. God save you by his grace. But then these Jews start adding things. With glazed cherries, what you do is you take a pure cherry. You add all kinds of additives. It's preserved in a brine solution containing sulfur dioxide, calcium chloride to bleach the goodness out of it, right? It's just, it just bleached everything good out of it. It's just got this lump of mass there in the shape of a cherry. And then it's soaked in food colouring, sugar and syrup, along with all additives. <laughs> and, and that's what you get, a glazed cherry. And let me tell you, when you taste a glazed cherry... Oh, man. Oh, I, I'm so, I, can, I can just smell it. Oh. Oh. Oh, oh, nah. Mmm, nah. It's just not good. Hmm? I would love some water. <laughs> Gemma's like, nah, don't give him. He deserves it. <laughs> oh, thanks, Jaden. That's amazing. It's, it's not great. You can, you're welcome to come and thank you. You're welcome to take as many as you like tonight. You might see them at the after party. <laughs> Ah, thank you. And it's, it's just not good. It doesn't taste good. The, the other gospel, the gospel where we add all kinds of things to it, it just doesn't taste good. It's not fresh. It's not life-giving. It's not healthy. It's got no nutrients to sustain us. But the true gospel is full of juicy goodness of God, of the presence of God that sustains us. And Paul was really angry. He was like livid that people... We're no longer eating fresh cherries, but glazed cherries. And he said this about them. Galatians chapter 5 verse 12. He said, this reveals a bit of his personality, right? He said, I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would just mutilate themselves. Take yourselves at the back. And so get this. Get this. And, and please just use this as your plumb line, as your reference point to discern if, something, if the gospel is God or not, right? So, and, and the gospel just means good news. And get this, when the gospel isn't good news, it's not the gospel at all. When the gospel isn't good news, it's not good news at all. Why, why would you want, why would you think something's the good news when it's actually not good news? Come on, head of the back you got to do this. You've got to do more. You've got to tick the boxes. You need to jump high. You need to climb more. You need to add more. You're not doing enough. You're just not cutting it. You've done it right, but you need to do more, 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 more. It's like exhausting, absolutely exhausting in our lives. See, the other gospel focuses on what you can do for God. It leaves us thinking that we need to do more. We need to do more, do more, do more. In Galatians 3 verse 12, Paul explains it. He says, the other gospel says it's by obeying the law that a person has life. That a person can find life by ticking the boxes, by obeying the law, by doing more, by jumping harder, by trying harder. But then Paul has some pretty severe words for these people as well. He's, he, Paul is just so, I think he's just so annoyed. Because what people have done, these Jews have done, is they've come and they've, they've taken people that have found new liberty. And freedom, and they've tasted, oh, wow, the grace of God. And what he's done is he's brought them back under slavery. Guilt, bondage, condemnation, I'm not good enough, I'm just going to. And so he says, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, how many of us can start our Christian journey? Like, oh, amazing God, the grace of God, I can't deserve it. But then somehow we mature into cynicism. Or we mature into, there's got to be something, a deeper truth than grace. And let me tell you, we never graduate from grace. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? effort? Adding additives. Ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit? and were miracles among you, because you obey the law, because you've got your life as mapped out perfectly, you have got my Bible reading plan, I've got a tick every day for the last year, I've come to church every Sunday, I'm serving on three teams, I'm giving money to the poor, or I'm saying all these Christian words, and man, I'm doing really well, and now I'm just, I so deserve it. Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. You just put, you just, you just rested your faith on grace. That's all. But get this. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are actually under a curse. Get that. Maybe it starts with a good motive. Oh, thank you, God, for your grace, but I need to do, I feel like I need to do a bit to, like, add to, or it, it kind of starts from a bit of maybe a sort of right motive. But, you know, if we ever think that we need to add on to what God has done for us, to carry more favour with God somehow. It, we actually bring ourselves under a curse if we do that. And why is that? For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does, does not observe and obey all the commandments that are written in God's book of the law. See, what the book of the law says, if you sin once, you're under a curse forever. But the truth is, and so, so therefore anyone who tries to achieve a per- perfect status with God has to obey all the law completely, all their life, from beginning to end. And only one person has ever done that, so that's Jesus. So the rest of us are under curse. But our other choice is we can put faith in what Jesus has done for us. The Bible says, cursed is the one who hangs in a tree. or one who... And, and, and Jesus was hung... On the tree, on the cross, Jesus was cursed so we could be blessed. Jesus took the curse that we could be blessed, and anyone who puts their faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross now lives either in the blessing of God, or and and when we try to bring ourselves back under the law by going, well, I need to add more, I need to do, we just bring ourselves back into the old place. We're actually, well, if you're trying to carry God's favour in that way, you actually need to be 100% good, 100% of the time for your whole life. So. Good luck with that. You've already failed. So, and we live under a curse. And you know, the other way that we live under a curse is, is in this way. You might be ticking the boxes for a while. <clears throat> mums, right? I reckon mums get this one of the hardest. You know, I, I know a mum, which is my mum, and my amazing wife has raised three kids, and many people are looking around the room right now. And I reckon mums get, get it the hardest. You are a failure. You there's so many other better mums out there. You think you're this and you you're just rotten and your kids are gonna be murderers and, and you just failed and look at those 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 mums they use real nappies diapers, cloth nappies. Oh, not the disposable ones. You global warming, you know, something like Look at these. They got all the home cooked meals, you got the takeaway. Failure F and and mums just live under the cloud of complete failure. Maybe you haven't handed your assignment in for those you know that are studying. There's a few people here studying. Maybe at work you haven't hit the KPIs, or maybe if you bring it into the Christian world, you haven't been to church every single week for the last 27 years in a row, or you, you, I haven't prayed in a week. I feel so guilty. I haven't read my Bible. We just live under this cloud of weight of shoulds and shouldn'ts that the world and the enemy and we put on ourselves, and it's so exhausting. And then when you think about sin issues, about things we shouldn't be doing, you're like, haven't looked at porn for a while, it's awesome, I'm doing pretty well, and then you fail, and then you like feel so utterly broken and devastated and shamed, and I'm a failure. Or maybe you've ticked the boxes for a while in certain areas, and you feel so guilty, right? When you, you've had a good streak in your health, have been to the gym and feeling good, and then you're just like, I haven't been to the gym, I feel so guilty. Like We just make up, we're really good at inventing reasons to feel guilty, aren't we? It's like, who just feels perpetually guilty? You know, like, just, just always guilty about everything. That's what comparison is so wrong. What a burden to live with. And then after failing for the 757,000th time, no wonder people walk away from God if they believe this other gospel. It's like, stuff oh, that's it's too hard. Wow, I'm just over this. I feel so guilty and ashamed all the time. Why would I want to go to God? They're just going to judge me and tell me off from people. I'm going to withdraw from people. Church, I've tried that. It didn't work. You didn't try the pure gospel. You just just convinced yourself you were eating real cherries by eating glazed cherries. You've been eating. You've been duped. You've been eating glazed cherries the whole time. Not the real thing, but God is saying, come on, like Coca-Cola, try the real thing in Jesus' name. It'll bring you life and abundance, haven't it? drunk Coke for seven years, but it's still want to have a drink. See, one gospel focuses on what you can do for God, but the true gospel focuses on what Jesus has done for us. This is the focus. And so Paul says, "So it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. What a relief. <laughs> what a relief. That is. For the scriptures say it's through faith that a righteous person has life. And so Paul also wrote another letter to the church in Ephesus. So we're going to borrow from that letter, from that tonight. And this just breaks it down even more simply. If you haven't got it so far, it's like this is just straight between the eyes, repeated a couple of times. It just diffuses everything of you trying to earn your way to God. And he says this, Ephesians 2 4 to 8, he says, but God is so, and this, just notice how many times he talks about what God has done for us, not what we can do for God. Just notice how much God does for us. It says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, spiritually dead and cut off from him, he gave us life when he rose Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace, that word, it is only by God's undeserved favor that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead, along with Christ. So not only did he raise us from the dead and forgive us and give us mercy, but not only that, but along with Christ. But he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. Do you know the Bible calls us co-heirs with Christ? So so Jesus has this inheritance. Imagine inheriting Bill Gates' wealth. Imagine being his one and only son. Um, You would be inheriting his full wealth. Well, Jesus has inherited the full wealth of God, and he invites you and I to be brothers and sisters with him to share in the limitless wealth of God. God has taken us from underneath. He's shown us his mercy, and now because we're united with Christ, not because we've climbed a mountain, But because Jesus lifts us up. Jesus, God sent his one and only son. For God so loved the world, that he sent his one and only son down to us, off the mountain, down to us, so that anyone who will believe in him, in grace, shall not perish, but shall have eternal life, be lifted up to see in the heavenly realms with him. And he goes on to say, and God saved you. It's like he's just on repeat, repeat, repeat. Start, see, remember those? See these? Skip. God saved you by his grace when you behaved, I mean, believed, hey? see that, God, is, God saved you by his grace when you behaved enough, when you did enough, when you, isn't it funny how we're like, I feel so guilty, I haven't read my Bible for ages, it's like, why do you, why, why? Do, you do you feel guilty about not drinking water, I feel so guilty, you haven't had a drink of water, it's like, you don't think that, when you're thirsty, you just go and drink water. That's what you do because you're thirsty. When you're hungry, I'm so guilty. I haven't eaten for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I feel really guilty. I haven't eaten for a while. If you're hungry, go and eat food. Food is what gives you your life and helps you to grow strong. Man, we we love the Word of God. We love diving into the Bible because it gives us nutrients for our spirits so we can grow in wisdom and do everything God has called us to do. We drink from the Spirit of God. Not because we have to, but because we get to and there's life in the Bible and the Scriptures. So God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. Sorry, they, they, they just bustle the performance out of everyone right there. Um, so you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. It's like God is just dismantling everything about our performance right now. Salvation, again, is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. I feel pretty good. I've been a pretty good Christian lately. Haven't murdered anyone yet. This week, at least, anyway. That's like. So none of us can boast about it. You know, I love, I love the anacronym of grace. Uh, John Wesson, who preached last week, came. He, he's just going to like start to introduce the Bible to me. It's going to be awesome. Um, <laughs> he's like a Bible scholar. It's awesome. I know about three verses by memory, he knows 3,000. So. She's going to get the Bible in here. It's going to be awesome. Um, Grace and ac- an acronym. An, 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 how do you say it? Acronym. 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 <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Jem. You're helping me tonight. Um, uh, is, Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches. Don't you love it when someone shouts you a meal? Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you love it when you get something? It's like, wow, thank you. At your expense, I had that. It's so great. Thank you for tapping that card in front of me. I like those till fights. You try to tap in front of the person. And, um, but, but this is so much more than a meal. This is like God's favor and blessing and everything for us at Christ's expense. Jesus paid the price, the full price for our sin and our debt on that cross. There's nothing left for us. To pay, you know. For me, shame has actually been a, a part of my life in my journey. That word, shame. When I was in my later teens and early twenties, oh my goodness, shame was just something that hunted me down from Chinatown. But, like, but like shame just was like this sticky substance that just, just stuck itself to me. It's just like like that. <laughs> oh man. Just, it just won't get off, this shame and this guilt, because I was very aware of my own shortcomings. I was very aware of my own sin, the stuff that I knew I shouldn't do and that didn't bring me the sustenance I needed. That's why I was so guilty because I loved God. I wanted to love God, but I, I was just so confronted with the reality of how far short I fell again and again and again and again. It's just, I'll never do that again. And then I'll be in front of the mirror once again, and I'll literally look at myself, saying out loud, "I hate you." Like so disappointed in myself, so shamed, and I was just convinced that there's grace will have, grace has an expiry date, a bit longer than milk, um, I thought. But grace has an expiry date, I thought. It must do. I convinced myself. I'm like, this can't be real. And so for me, I'll be in this cycle, right? And and you'd feel shamed and shame and shame and guilty and then what would I do to make myself feel better well I'd do something probably that would give me a quick lift which were those things that weren't that healthy and then I then I just feel a whole nother level of shame on top of that and and it's just like I couldn't climb myself out of this and it was through that season that I began to actually taste real cherries as in spiritual cherries The real grace of God for my life. Real grace. Let me tell you, grace is what set me free. Grace is what set me free. Grace is what was able to release me out of that downward spiral that all of us can find ourselves in all of the time. And it brought true joy to my life. True joy. Because this joy wasn't anchored in my performance. This joy was anchored in jesus finished work on the cross, which will never change in and out of every season, Jesus lived the perfect life and he exchanged his perfect white life for my messy life, which is why salvation sometimes is called the great exchange you've got to surrender my life you want it you 've got it and I began to taste the grace of God in my life, and this became the fuel and the fire for everything I do. This is why we started this church this is why I do what I do. Someone said to me when I was 17, "You should be a pastor." I'm like, "No way!" <laughs> but when you taste something good, when you taste real cherries, you just want other people. You just want to. Well, you kind of want to keep it to yourself, but you kind of also want to share them around with people. You're like, "Man, taste this! This is awesome!" And this is what church is all about. This is why we've got online. This is why we. This this is the fuel for our fire. And so I started doing silly things like getting up in front of the TAFE class and going. And telling people I was a Christian with the permission of my TAFE lecturer. Um, I'll, I'll, on the buses, I'll be sharing the gospel with people. I'll be um, doing worship on the streets in Northbridge at night. I was like, yeah, that crazy person. Um, all because it was fueled by grace. And I just believe every single person here and watching online that God wants to fuel your. That's just the fire's just starting. just. It's a fire alarm, see? Oh. Whoa. Yo, can you hear me? This is... This is <laughs> Jack's, work, Jack's just working overtime. Can you still hear me over there? A little bit. Maybe another microphone might be good. How's that one? Okay, <laughs> going. Oh, good. Oh, good. I just believe that grace is going to fuel... Every single one of our lives. Every single one of our lives. Grace, grace. This isn't about performance. Don't feel guilty. It's all good, Jake. We've got it all good. It's all good. It's great. Who's cracking up behind that curtain? Someone is. <laughs> we can hear you. How <laughs> you know what? One, at, at a situation like this, we're going to finish in like, real soon. But you know, one question that we might ask is, well, what about like, abusing grace? Like You just can't do whatever you want. You shouldn't, you, sh- you can't just, doesn't mean you can't just go and do whatever you want. It's like, well, of course not. We don't really want, we, we want to honor God with our lives. But do you know what? Grace actually is what enables us to live free from sin and actually live for Him. And I'll prove it. It actually helps us to grow in what's called the fear of God. Not I'm scared of God, but the reverential God, I give my life to you. And Psalm 130, verse 4, it says this. It says, I read it out to you. It says, But you offer forgiveness. That we might learn to fear you. I'll read it out again. Psalm 130, verse 4. It says, But you, God, offer forgiveness that we might learn to follow you. So when we're it's it's not the other way around. It's not like be scared of God and you might be forgiven. It's encounter the loving, awesome grace and forgiveness of God. And that is actually the pathway. The, the, the runway for us to begin to grow in our fear and our love and our respect of God. I've got a quote from the Gospel Coalition and what it says is this, it says, What Psalm 130 verse 4 teaches us is that forgiveness is the fertile soil for growing a right fear of God. Without God's forgiveness, we could never approach Him and we'd never want to. Who would want to approach God if they're not forgiven? I, I'm, I'm the first out of there. I am, I'm out of there. But <clears throat> without the cross, God would only be a dreadful judge of whom we'd be afraid. But then divine forgiveness and our justification by faith alone turn our natural dread of God as sinners to the fearful, trembling adoration of beloved children. And this is what helps us to live a holy a holy life. It's what, about what comes first. Life before God. And so what I want to encourage us with is these final words from Paul. You see, Paul actually went around, before he became a Christian, he went around murdering Christians. know, I don't know about your past, what your past has been like. I'm sure it hasn't been going around murdering Christians. So um, Paul actually said, I'm an example that even the worst sinners can be forgiven. But I just wonder, based on the next scripture that I'm going to read out in a second, I just I just wonder whether he started to question grace. He's like, really, is 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 this is this gospel actually true, or is it the other fake gospel? Like, am I really actually forgiven? I wonder if he got to be insecure about it. 14 years later, he went to check that he had the right message. He's like, am I, have I been preaching the wrong thing? Because if it's the wrong thing, I'm <laughs> I'm gone. And so this is what it says: Galatians chapter two, verse one to two. He said. Then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again. This is like the the main church center at that point. While I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message of grace that I've been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I had been running the race for nothing. And so what were the leaders' response? Well, the leaders of the church's response was, in this next verse, it says, But the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. Nothing to add. They're like, those cherries are good. Throw away the additives. Be done with the glazed cherries in your life. Get them out of your pantries. Get them out of your heart. Get them out of your head. Glazed cherries are from the devil. We're going to burn these tonight honestly we we need to get rid of the glazed cherries from our lives what additives have you been added into your life from yourself from the devil from other people all the shoulds and shouldn'ts I just think tonight just be, be done with them and enter into the freedom and the joy that grace brings us why don't we just stand up together tonight you know right now I've been sharing and speaking these words, but I I believe God's presence is just here. And what God wants to do actually in in the spirit right now, because we're body, soul, spirit, what he wants to do is just lift off those burdens. He actually just wants to break and lift off those burdens, those yokes, those heaviness. Why don't you just close your eyes, lift your hands to God right now. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you're here right now. And right now, why don't you just receive, receive the grace of God receive right now the work of the holy spirit receive right now the power of jesus the power of jesus that comes and defeats the work of the accuser by the blood of jesus the the work of jesus the finished work of jesus that releases you from all condemnation from all guilt and so right now across this room i just release shame in jesus name right now let shame be lifted right now in jesus name and those online Let it be lifted right now. I just believe the Holy Spirit right now is just releasing you from shame. He's releasing you from shame. He's releasing you from condemnation. And right now, I just release, and I believe God is releasing the grace of God on your life. He's releasing the grace of God. He's pouring out undeserved favor. Right now, He's saying, lift your head. Lift your head. Don't just remain at equilibrium, but lift your head to not only the mercy of God that has brought you this far, but the undeserved favor of God. So right now, why don't you just not only receive the forgiveness of God, but begin to receive the favor of God right now. Just receive the favor of God over your life. Lord God, I just release and speak out the favor of God over every single person, Lord God, the favor of your presence, the favor of your power, Lord God. Lord, the favor of your provision, Lord God, your supernatural provision for every single person in this place, Lord God, for jobs, for workplaces, for finance, Lord God, your provision for relationships, Jesus, your provision, Lord God, in terms of the call of God on people's lives. Lord God, right now, Lord Jesus, we thank you for a release of gifts through the Holy Spirit, Lord, spiritual gifts, Lord God. I thank you for your favor, Lord God, in people in their workplaces, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for your favour, Lord God, over every single area of people's lives, Lord God. We worship you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.